72% of entrepreneurs are struggling with mental health. Most don't ask for help. Today is the day we change that. Today is the day we prioritize and destigmatize mental health. We are entrepreneurs, visionaries, high achievers, change makers. We defy the odds every single day. We dream the biggest dreams. We fail and fall flat on our faces. We get up and try harder. We believe in our ideas even when everyone around us doubts them. We are driven to find the solutions to the world's biggest problems. We speak because our voice matters. We show up because we make a difference. We share our most vulnerable stories because we know someone can finally find the courage to share theirs. And in our collective sharing, we rise, we heal, and we embody brave visibility. In this episode, we sat down with Paul Gowan, former U.S. Marine, certified high-performance coach, and we dove deep into his story, all the way from his abusive upbringing to joining the Marine Corps to substance abuse to serving in Afghanistan, battling with PTSD, and so much more. So fair warning to anyone dealing with any of the above, this episode may trigger those things for you. The conversation was a powerful story of overcoming the odds. Our goal is to inspire you with this podcast, and we feel that when you listen to this episode, you will see why it's important to express your emotions in a healthy way and see how seeking professional help can absolutely transform your life. Hey guys, welcome to the Brave Visibility Podcast. I'm your host, Yasmin Anel, and my co-host... Kimra Luna. Hey, everyone. We are super, super excited here today with our amazing guest, Paul Gowan. Thank you so much, Paul, for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity and to reconnect with you as you've been traveling around the world. This is great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, you guys, I've known Paul for a few years. It seems like I've known him forever because of the deep work that we do. You know, he's a fellow certified high performance coach and I've had the pleasure and the honor to really sit down with him, to chat with him for hours on deep topics. And today he's our guest because he has a phenomenal story and, you know, talk about coming out of like a dark stage in your life and making it through that darkness and being able to get out on the other side alive, sane, and living an amazing life. So, Paul, I just want you to tell us, first of all, a little bit about your story. I told you in our pre-chat that I hate reading bios. Yeah, so yeah. I want you to just introduce yourself to our guests, to our yeah, listeners. Thank you so much. My name is Paul Gowan. I originally grew up in Montana. And now that I live in Phoenix, Arizona, that means like half the state's population has moved out. <laughs> it was a great, great place to grow up. Uh, I grew up in an abusive household. I had a lot of trauma growing up. And uh, uh, whether it was sexual trauma or physical trauma, emotional trauma, being bullied, uh, you name it, it happened. And uh, I uh, went to college and was exposed to people that didn't have like 18 years of judgment on me. Went a little while, like met women, met whiskey. And I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> it didn't work out so great for my grades. So I dropped out after a couple of years, joined the United States Marine Corps, went overseas 
to Okinawa, Japan, uh, met a woman there, started a family. And my life started unraveling because of a, a lack of sleep and a lot of stress that I was facing. Came to America uh, to go through college, accepted a commission in the United States Marine Corps. Meanwhile, in my personal life, things were still rapidly unraveling because of the wow. choices that I was making at that time. And again, a lack of sleep and an abuse of alcohol did not help out at all. It was very much, uh, it exacerbated the situation. Uh, accepted my commission, went over to the East Coast, went to Afghanistan, uh, was faced with a lot of challenges there, uh, morally and ethically, and my, uh, my commitment to America as a commissioned officer. Uh, I really took that oath seriously, and it was, it was challenged uh, for what I saw the right thing to do in Afghanistan. My proudest moment occurred over there, though, in a 15-year career in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, my proudest moment was when I successfully advocated for the immediate reduction of personnel in Helmand Province. And that was atypical. I was a, a junior officer, and that was a, very much a strategic-level recommendation, and it worked. Uh, however, wow. when I got back home, stuff continued to not make sense. I wasn't able to sleep. I turned to booze to self-medicate so I could sleep not really understanding that that was passing out and that my body was using all of this energy to process the alcohol. So that just fueled things. Uh, got out of the Marine Corps, went back to Montana, got my feet underneath me, got into personal development and more from just an, uh, more than an intellectual approach. I started doing things to advance my life. That led to me receiving my first coach. That led me to going to one of Brennan Burchard's seminars and becoming one of his certified high-performance coaches meeting wonderful people like Yasmin along the way, started my own business, moved to Phoenix to start a life with my girlfriend, Val. And, uh, and things are rapidly, rapidly growing. And it comes from that decision to quit uh, intellectually acquiring information and to start to implement some of these things that I was learning in my life. So there we go. The, the history of Paul in a couple minutes there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I love that. And, you know, I'm actually from Idaho, born and raised, and I was raised in a similar sort of environment, like a lot of abuse, a lot of and basically anything you can think of was bad. Yeah. And, and so I really resonate with your story. And I think a lot of people listening will, because a lot of people do grow up in that. It's very common in small towns, especially for there to be a lot of abuse, um, you know, but you've been able to move past that. It's like you, you had that trauma, then you got kind of more trauma while you were serving the United States. And then now you're like, I got to take some action. I got, I cannot keep self-medicating myself because it's hmm. so common as well. You know, being someone from Idaho, it's like all of my friends just drink, 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 drink. And it's just like, right. um, you can like, you can't really do that forever. Like you need to right. heal. So it's, it, and again, you said decision. And I think that's the, probably the key part that people need to hear is like when you make the decision and actually implement the things you're learning, you can read a million self-help books, but you're not going to go anywhere if you don't implement anything. So Absolutely I love that. Correct. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. That, that was the highlight for me too. Like you saying that, you know, yes, you can do so much studying and learning and all of that, like book knowledge, but it's not showing itself in real life. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing. So Thank you for pointing that out. So yeah. I want you to go, I would love for, for you to go deeper into your story because, um, I, and, and just pull out gems for us, like things that have, um, because 
the big question that I have, and this is something that I like to ask all of our guests, is why why mental health, right? Because it's it's such a taboo topic. I mean, right, now we're right. seeing masses coming out and speaking about it. We're seeing, um, you know, the royal family in England um, finally speaking out on it. So it's it's wonderful to see that. And especially for us within the entrepreneurial space, we've seen people last year like Kate Spade, um, you know, major influencers taking away their lives. And so for, for you, like, why does, why mental health matters to you? Wow. And then tell us your story. (laughs) (laughs) Explain the meaning of life in one word, Paul. (laughs) Not a, not a tough opening question there. Thank I you, know, husband. I know. Sure. Here's, here's what it, it boils down to for me. Uh, off the top of my head here, human beings are emotional. Mm-hmm. And expressing that emotion is as healthy, if not vital, mm-hmm. to our existence mm-hmm. as like the, the base of the pyramid for Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, along with food and water and shelter and safety and the the debatable one like sex or relationships, we also have this requirement, in my belief, in in the things that I've studied, to express that emotion. So fundamentally, we do that. (laughs) We we come out of the womb saying, oh my God, it's cold. Put me back. It's so cold. I don't know what just happened. Went on the ride of my life. We express that through that emotion, that crying, that wailing. We're hungry. We express Mm. that through emotion. And then expectations start coming in. Mm -hmm. Expectations for conduct within a society are vital across our evolution of of humankind. That, That agreement is so important. So when we have those expectations of conduct, that is crept into expectations and demands and judgments around emotional expression. Mm-hmm. So when you're willing to take away other people's expectations around your emotional expression, when you're able to not take on their judgment or the judgment of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. It, it's <laughs> so huge, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can, in a healthy way, express that emotion then you can move forward in your life because there's this thing that happens called life (laughs) and it's a great equalizer. It happens to every single one of us. Now, whether you're from Idaho or Montana or Turkey, you're going to have different things that affect you in your life. And those are perceptions Hmm. based on that thing that happens to everyone called life. Perceptions can creep into that judgment. Perceptions can creep into that expectation. So when you can work with that, and really decide and if not like demand of yourself, how mm. do you choose to see the world? Well, then you can engage with it in that healthy emotional expression. Mm-hmm. And then you can be that, that person of, I don't know, I think it's a fully realized person is that you understand how to express that emotion, when to express that emotion without being influenced by other people's judgments, expectations, or demands. Yeah. And I think that like for that's actually the point like where then people could get on a process and then they can start healing when they're like, you know what? Like I have these feelings and it's okay for me to have these feelings and it's completely valid for me to have these feelings. 
that's when real healing starts. And I know for myself, uh, personally, you know, I spent a lot of like my teenage years being extremely angry, but I didn't Mm. know how to express it in a positive way. And so I expressed it in a really bad way. And I was very mean to people. I was very aggressive. Um, I became, you know, I was extremely depressed. I mean, I just had all these things and I didn't know how to express it. And with myself, you know, it's like I have my, my kids, you know, and I, because I'm much more self-aware now, you know, when they do have feelings, I'm able to be like, you know what, it's okay to have these feelings. It's all right. Mm, You know, like, like other people might not think it's all right, but it is all right. We all have them. Now let's express it. Let's let it go in a positive way. Maybe they need, my kids yeah. journal every single night and they ask themselves like, you know, how they felt during the day and why they felt that way. That's something I've been doing myself for about 12 years um, before bed. And so they now are doing that, you know, and my awesome. oldest son, he's nine and he, he really loves it. And it's made him so aware of his feelings. He'll come to me when he's feeling a certain way. Like if he's like, you know what, like, or even if I said something like he, he'll he'll like say to me, like, you know, like mom, you know, that, that really embarrassed me. Like when you said that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm so sorry. Like I I didn't mean to say that. I apologize. Like I'll make sure to like be better next time, you know? So he is able to start saying these things so he can get his needs and wants met in a healthy way. And I think that's something that's just never taught. And I'm just like, and to me, I'm like kind of accidentally doing it. Cause obviously, you know, he's my oldest son. So, you know, he's the guinea pig kid, right. you know? And so I'm like, Oh, like this is actually pretty cool. Like he's not afraid to share that he has a feeling that he was mm. uncomfortable in a certain way. Yeah. And I think that that's just so crucial to, to having a, a healthy a healthy mental health when we're older. You know, Absolutely. a lot of people talk about mental health, but they're always talking about bad stuff that's going on. But I'm like, mm. actually, mental health, the word health is in there. You know, it's like, it's supposed yeah. to be healthy. Um, and I don't think anybody ever has perfect mental health. Um, I don't know if everybody really ever gets to that point. But, you know, we all, we all want to be able to express how we feel. And like you said, humans are, we are emotional creatures, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I love that. Love that. Yeah, I love that you just that. mentioned that, Kimra, because I think this is like the thing that we want to let the listeners and let the masses get to know that mental health issues, it doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means you're dealing with certain things right now. <laughs> it and means it is, you're human. <laughs> exactly. Like, because whenever you mention like, oh, like I'm having anxiety and, you know, depression or whatever it is, right? All of a sudden people are like, what <laughs> you know yeah. like you hear you sometimes you hear like the crickets you know mm-hmm. and and people are somehow afraid of it like it's a contagious thing like like <laughs> if, if someone is having anxiety attack oh my gosh will I catch that you know <laughs> whereas like it is curable it is you can heal but the, yeah. the first thing is to understand that you're struggling right to admit that and it's okay. It's kind of like having, I don't know, some sort of uh, any other dysfunction in your body, right? You go to the doctor, sure. you're like, okay, I have a stomach ache or I have whatever, you know, I have an earache and people are okay with that, but not so many people are okay with reaching out to a therapist, let's say, because the, you know, that's like the, the bad word, you know, it's like, right. there's still a you know? stigma around that. There is, there really yeah. is. And, and so I guess one of the questions that I have for you is, how did you get over that stigma? Well, first of all, the first question is right. this. How did you, when did you realize that you need help? 
And what did it take for you to go and ask for help? Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. First, admitting it to themselves and then going and asking for it. Uh, I had known for a while that I, I needed help to be able to talk about some of the things going on in my brain. Um, trauma, trauma affects you. I think it, it can really create a different level of footprint in your brain that, that tramps out some of those neural connections in your brain and connects other ones that maybe uh, aren't supposed to be firing so quickly. And that's where you can get that uh, uh, hyper anxiety and, the, and those anxiety disorders. For me, the first time I, I had the courage to ask for help was in the, the, the tail end of my time in Afghanistan. I, uh, I had a, a real problem sleeping there, uh, a lot of problems with stress. Uh, and I went to the, to the doctor and I, I closed the door and I was like, I think this may end my career. Hmm. I need help. And uh, we were able to talk through some basic things. This was a medical doctor and uh, started me on a medication regimen, which I think in hindsight was the exact opposite medicine that would have been good for me. Uh, wow. It was a, a step in the right direction. However, it, it meant descending further because of the wrong medication. Uh, wow. So that, that was where I recognized that I was, uh, my brother and I call it the slide. And we just don't quite know how far down we're going to go. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I started that first, that was a real significant slide coming out of Afghanistan to, to get that help. Uh, and the second part of your question again, I'm sorry. Um, and then, you know, when did, like, when did you know that, I guess, what prompted you to seek the help? Yeah. So I'd say there was a, there was an inherent piece in me that knew something wasn't right. Mm. Uh, th- there was a, a bit of a settling pond of all of the traumas of my life and Afghanistan really stirred everything up. So stuff wow. that I hadn't thought about like in detail for years, all of a sudden came back with this explosive force that just, it, it knocked me on my rear. And, uh, when I got back home to America, uh, I, I was focused on a lot of other things besides mm. taking care of myself. Mm. I had made that up in my mind that to be a good Marine, to be a good Marine officer, I have to take care of my Marines first. I have to make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, then I get the mission. And then if there's enough time left at the end of the day, I take care of me. And, yeah. you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the right approach. And so after I got out, it took uh, several months for me to uh, enroll in the VA and go get assistance. And contrary to what you hear on the news, uh, the folks up in the Montana VA system did a really great job helping me out. Wow. Uh, and so I want to make sure that there's a balance point to that, that although that's in the headlines, uh, that the VA is turning their back on veterans or killing veterans, you know what? That's just, that wasn't my experience. It mm. was a challenge to get help. And some of your listeners may have some of those bureaucratic difficulties if they're going through some socialized um, process of medicine, that there's going to be a bureaucracy for them to get help. Stay in there. Mm -hmm. Stay on that focused goal of you getting healthy. And that's what it took for me, along with asserting some initial boundaries. Uh, My initial uh, counselor was an intern, and he really did not have the tools equipped on for him personally 
to help me out. I'm telling him these stories and he's either checked out, literally picking his nose, looking at the clock. And I'm just like, are you bored? I'm sorry. I'm like telling you about when I got raped when I was a child, you know, like, sorry for disturbing you. And then that just fueled that anger. Uh, and that wow. So learning how to express boundaries that if someone isn't working for you, as you're pursuing that help, mm. there is a way to healthy, in a healthy way, express that, you know what, let me, let me work with somebody different. Let me see if I can, I can connect with somebody that has a different perspective or different tool sets or a different approach. And ultimately, uh, I, I took my care into my own hands and started getting onto podcasts like, like this one here and yeah. started listening to what things can I do? What books can I read? How can I reset my mindset? And one of the ways I did that was I, I was adopting the term I'm struggling with PTSD. Mm. And I started thinking about that. And I'm like, why is this a struggle? Until I get to, to peace with this, that this is a part of me, as mm. much as it is like I have blue eyes. So let's talk about that real quick. I have blue mm. eyes. So when I go out in the sun, blue eyes are more sensitive to light. I don't struggle with having blue eyes. I put on mm. some sunglasses. Mm -hmm. I've learned to have tools that work with the fact that I have blue eyes. Yeah. So when I made that switch from the struggling with my mental illness to choosing to work with it, recognizing mm -hmm. that it is likely to be a lifelong partner. And if we can find a way to get along and I'm not going to be fighting you and opposing you and struggling against you, mm -hmm. then there's going to be more efficiency in how I'm able to heal and then able to thrive past that. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like that, that kind of summarizes it is recognize you have options and choices. Mm -hmm. You may be part of a bureaucracy and stay in there, stay focused, ask for assistance. There's a customer representative, somebody to help guide you through the process. Uh, and then just be, be aware of you, you have those choices. So stay empowered with that choice and, and move away from struggling. Work with the issues that you're facing. That's so beautiful. And as a person who I'm diagnosed, I call, I say I have all the D's because I have PTSD, mm -hmm. I have OCD, ADD, anxiety, and depression. So, yeah. and it's all diagnosed and, um, I work with it, you know, and, yeah. and I feel like the, all of these things have actually been a gift for me because they've made mm -hmm. me be able to be hyper self-aware of how I feel and on what's going on around me, my environment, the way I'm, I'm perceiving things. And, and it's actually helped me have more success. I feel in my life because yeah. I've had to work with it rather than fight against it. Like how you're talking mm. about. And I yeah. Think I love so that. Magical and amazing that, that you were talking about that. Cause I don't think people say it in that type of way. They, they feel like they're like a victim of their, their circumstance, their, their, you know, thing. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, when we say, you know what, we have this, I accept it. It's part of who, who I am. Um, how can I work with it? That's just going to be so powerful for all the listeners today. So yeah. I do have, um, a question for you. That's kind of about, you know, if somebody listening here has been thinking to themselves like, wow, like I do need some support. I need to, um, you know, go out and get that help I need. What sort of maybe, um, steps do you have that can help them kind of, you know, face those, those fears of going out there and getting that support? Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say it's important to triage your decision. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So in that initial decision to go get some help, find someone close to you that you love, that you trust, and let them know uh, what you're facing and what your decision is. You may also ask them for some input because in, in that space, it's, it's creating momentum for you to express what's on your mind, to express those emotions to someone that you mm-hmm. love. And then as you go through that process, you repeat that process. It's that investment in trust. And a lot of people that, you know, you can describe yourself as a victim. You can, you can describe yourself around the same incident as a survivor. And you can describe yourself from the same incident as that happened to me and now I'm stronger and flourishing because of what I learned. Same incident, same person, different stages of the journey. So in that transition, in that initial transition to this happened to me, I may have been powerless. I may not have had a voice. I may not have had the strength. I may not have had the position of influence. I may not have had whatever it is. And you have that courage to express that. Mm. You have that acknowledgement that this happened. And then by default definition, you are a victim of something happening to you. Mm. And then when you decide to do something about it, to continue to live your life, you move into that survivor. This happened. I may not have really liked it. And now I'm almost at like a, the positive energy to get me from victim left me at almost like a neutral place of I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. And you can take that though, the skills and the momentum that you gained in moving from victim to survivor, then you can move into what I like to call thriver. And I think yeah, I was just going to say that. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I call it the, I like same, the same thing. I call it, yeah, I right. call it the same thing. I'm like, you go from survivor to thriver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So when you are in that transition, it starts with that investment of trust in someone. And oh my gosh, if whatever that was that happened to you, that you uh, may have been challenged to trust others, mm. that's a hugely courageous action. And do not downplay it. And if you're around other people that downplay that level of courageousness, it's okay to like um, hit pause on your relationship with them. Mm. Because this is huge. When you have the courage to face what happened, acknowledge it, and start working out of that space of victim to survivor to thriver, it's very important that you have a different group of people that can help you fly. Mm-hmm. So I would say, so important. You know, yeah, find that person. Uh, and they may be able to help you navigate that bureaucracy of uh, a local hospital or a, a, a federal poli- a program, federal program like the Veterans Administration. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that person, now you have like that almost like a wingman. Somebody that's going to help you out and maintain a level of care for you until you can get in the hands of that professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, uh, it's just so powerful. Like, like all that, all of that is just so powerful. And and I think, you know, it all goes like you have to surround yourself with people that that are going to be with you on the journey, um, you know, and as someone who has had to spend the past 12 years really immersed in, in healing, you know, my ex-husband and my mother-in-law and people in my family, they were that thing for me, you know, yeah. and I'm very grateful that I was able to to have that because not everybody does. Um, I know, especially here in New York City, there's so many support groups for like anything. I always yeah. tell people, I'm like, go to support groups. They're usually free or right. like a donation. Like, right, right. 
find a friend, find someone that is going to be like, you know what, I'm going through something, you're going through something, like let's team up and be, you know, be the support because not everybody has those close friends. A lot of people here, they've moved away from all of their family and friends to come here to like pursue careers and things. And so if you're in a place where maybe you don't have that person, go find support groups, go find communities. Um, You can even use Bumble BFF on your phone, which is like a dating app, but it has like a BFF. Um, thing on it where you could find a friend oh, and okay. so you can find people with common interest as you and like uh, there's all these people on there right now that are just like oh my gosh we're watching the bachelor together <laughs> and like you know like things like that like yeah yeah people find community and find some con- connection and i love that you said that because you know you come from uh, a state that doesn't have as much of a population i think it's like mm-hmm. new york city right yeah so for people in these outlying areas thank you internet mm-hmm. get on your search engine type in I want help. I want to connect with someone. I want to speak to a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. And then you can get in contact with some of the, the 800 uh, lines, the toll-free mm-hmm. lines, and uh, even chat services that are staffed and managed by volunteers to mm-hmm. help people with these mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So literally, wherever you are around the world, you can find help when you commit to that choice and know yeah. that it, it's going to be a journey. Yes, and it definitely is. And and when I um, had a really bad bout of postpartum depression, it was very difficult because at the time I was on welfare. And so I was only on, you know, like the, they call it like Medicaid and they wouldn't allow me to go to regular psychologists. I had to just go to a psychiatrist and they just wanted me on medication. They didn't want me, they didn't even really want to talk to me about what I was going through. And I was like, this is not what I want. And so for anybody that's maybe like lower income and they're not able to get that sort of support, there is free support out there. There are places online you can Google to get the support that you need. And I think everybody thinks like, well, this is just what I got, you know, and they just don't keep moving forward, but you can and for myself, it, it took just talking to people, building relationships, going for walks every day was right. like part of like those beginning stages of like me going through a process and going for a walk was free. You know, like I just, I, you can do it even if you don't have a lot of money. Um, I had to spend a lot of time like reading books, journaling, almost like being a therapist for myself, yeah, reading psychology absolutely. books, reading how the brain works, reading things about how, you know, neuroscience and how the brain is all interconnected, wired, yeah, yeah. Yeah. how it's wired. I was like, oh my yeah. God, my brain is like a little computer in there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, so, you know, so I think anybody listening, you know, if you're looking for support, you can find free support. And then there's also now paid apps. My favorite app on my phone is actually Talkspace, which is a, you know, a therapy app. Um, you pay a certain fee a month and you can get an X amount of calls with an actual therapist. And then you can send messages. So if you're just having a bad day, you could just send a message, like a text message basically right on the app. Yeah. And then they get back to you within like, usually within like 24 hours, they're getting back to you and communicating with you. So if you're somebody that maybe has a really busy life and you're not able to just sit down and talk with a therapist, like there's also apps and other things like that. And, and now um, insurance is actually reimbursing people for what they're paying on therapy apps. Oh, so, um, so yeah, so it's, it's getting a lot easier to, to get that support that people really need. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I just want to say, you know, this is something I wanted to say in the beginning, but then we just dived into the conversation. But I just want to thank you for your service because, you you know, like I cannot even imagine what it was like 
And I just really honor you for that sacrifice that you have made for all of our freedom. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And it, part of my journey was moving away from a comparative uh, story of what had happened to me. My experience in Afghanistan was a planner. I was on the major base. Uh, they had ice cream in the chow hall and a Harley Davidson dealership for the guys that were wanting to buy a Harley while they were overseas. So wow. I wasn't in that position to have that awesome responsibility of a decision of, do I squeeze the trigger and take this? Yeah. Life? That wasn't one of the things that I faced. So some of the pieces that I was doing initially was that comparison. Well, I don't have it that bad. My buddy had to make that decision or my mm. buddy lost his leg or my buddy lost his life. Mm. So I just need to suck it up. I need to move on. Mm. And so if, if any of your listeners are in that situation where they're downplaying their experience by comparative assessment, yeah, um, it's not assessment. That's a judgment. Mm. So it let is. go of that. And recognize that your story is yours and how you are working with it and wanting to get healthy is yours as well. So let go of that judgment. And then if you can go through that process, you can circle back with some of those people of whom you may have once compared yourself and say, hey, Mm. how are you doing with what you faced? I can help you. Mm. I can help you. Your story is yours. Mine is mine. However, there's this process that I have been navigating and I would love to help you out with that. So yes, thank you so much. I love, and, uh, I love that you're mentioning that. That is, that is, I think, so crucial. And there is a lot of judgment like within the online space. Um, when someone is going through a particular thing, um, another person may have gone through a similar yep. thing, but then they're comparing it and they're like, oh, no, you should just do it this way and you shouldn't do it that way. And it's like, right. listen, everyone's journey is their journey. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you've seen it, but I recently shared, like, I'm, I'm struggling openly and publicly, I'm struggling with my scarf, right? And it's a decision that I have made when I was 18. Like no one forced me. Actually, I have lost, I have lost contact with certain family members because of my decision to wear a scarf, you know, because I have a very secular family. Like I haven't, there are uncles and aunts and cousins that I haven't seen in 25 years just because they don't want to associate with me. Um, But now after so many years, I just came, call it midlife crisis, call it, I call it my spiritual awakening um, because I just like the way it sounds. Um, I'm kind of doing like a reassessment. Is this still my truth? Like I'm not going to go and just take it off right away because it's been a part of me for so long, you know? And it was really hard to share that online because I knew, oh my gosh, that the hate mails would be coming and everybody would be like telling me, oh my gosh, what a bad, bad Muslim I am, you know? Right. And, and it happened, of course. Um, imagine, like, I just changed my style. Right, but right. for me, it's important to share. And when others are hearing it, they're immediately, like, jumping on board. They're like, no, you shouldn't do it that way. You should just stick to it. And I'm like, you're not in my shoes, you know? Right, like, right. I have certain things I survived and thrived, you know? And, and not knowing what that person has been through, giving them advice is just wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just wrong. So I just love that you're mentioning that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so absolutely. much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Paul, everyone has heard your story now. You know, you've gave us some amazing tips and guidance for people to help them get on their journey to, yeah. to really having really amazing, healthy mental health, like healthy minds. Um, and so, you know, where can everybody find you? Where can we connect with you? Um, I would love all the listeners to, to go and go and check you out. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I hang out on Instagram now, thanks to my team. You can find me at paul.gowin, that's G-O-W-I-N, on Instagram. On Facebook, it's at gowin.today. So my, my last name, just put the emphasis on the divert syllable, right? Uh, because the motto of my company is where I help people go out and win their dreams today. Love and it. And uh, you can find me at paulgowan.com, and that's, uh, that's my website. Awesome. We will make sure to have all that in the show notes for everybody. Um, and of course, um, I would love to hit you up on Instagram. I'm, I'm a big Instagram user. So I'm like, yeah, hey, Instagram. yeah absolutely. So I have Yay. this framework for the five steps to face fear and choose love. Yay. And so real quickly, because I know we're running short on time. The first step is to tell the truth and get sassy with this. Like be Captain Obvious. Whatever the situation that's stressing you out or providing that anxiety, zoom out like you're on some maps app, right? So I get sassy with this and I say, I'm on planet earth. I'm in North America. I'm in Arizona. I'm in Phoenix. I'm in my apartment until I get around that context of the situation. I tell the truth and I get sassy with it. Step two, you can either call it tactile functioning. If you are tactile activation, if you're highfalutin or I'm from Montana, we can call this touchy feely and just take the tips of your fingers and label your, uh, your fingers, one, two, three, four, and you just take your thumb to go one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. And if you're fancy and that doesn't trip you up, then go one, three, two, four, four, two, three, one, just like move it around. And what that does is it disrupts that cognitive function of that panic. Step three, activate your voice. I built this in because sometimes I was zipping through the being sassy and just doing this without saying anything. Activate your voice. And if you haven't been, Go back to step one, start over and activate your voice. Tell the truth and then do the touchy-feely. Step four, acknowledge the fear. Say explicitly what it is. One of my clients I was working with yesterday has a lump in her breast that's cancerous. And as we approached this step, I said, well, what are you afraid of? Well, that when they go to take it out, maybe something doesn't go right. Okay, and what does that mean? That maybe I can bleed internally. Well, what does that mean? That I'll maybe be in a coma. And what does that mean? And what does that mean? Until we get down to the fear. I could die. Or she said, you could die, Paul. And I was like, who could die? Well, you could die. Who could die? You could die. No. Who could die? I could die. So have the level of courage to really go deep and find that fear and acknowledge it. Because once you do that, you're ready for step number five. And that's choose love. Some loving action. Some loving response. Some loving interaction. Some loving word. Some loving expression some loving emotion. So again, that's tell the truth, get sassy with it, touchy-feely, or you can say tactile activation if you're highfalutin. Number three, activate your voice. Number four, have the courage to acknowledge that fear. And number five, the one that I love the most, choose love. So if any of your listeners are facing that anxiety or that fear, use those five steps and that might be able to help you get into that initial stage of care. That is so incredible. Now I think everybody's going to be rushing Powerful. to your website. They're going to rush to your website because they're yeah. like, oh my gosh, tell me more. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Paul, uh, for being here. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day um, to be here and talk about such a very, very important topic for everyone. So Yasmin, you have anything else left to say? I just want to say thank you, Paul. Thank you, my friend. This was amazing. Thank you so much. I was so stoked to receive this opportunity and invitation from you ladies. Thank you so much. And to all of your listeners, go out, win your dreams today. You've got this. I believe in you. Awesome. Thank you. 
Thank you for lending us your ears. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review so we know we're not talking to ourselves. If you love this episode and would like to dive deeper into healing your mind, body, and soul, make sure to check out bravevisibility.com forward slash circle to join our membership. Every month, we'll provide you with new trainings and resources on maintaining a healthy mind and most of all, a safe space to share and grow. Go to bravevisibility.com forward slash circle where you can have full access for $20 a month. Remember to use hashtag bravevisibility when sharing this episode online. Follow us on social media at bravevisibility and catch us on the next episode. Till then, live bravely.